This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Something very exciting, Court. Now you can actually order online from Zupan's and do curbside pickup. So if you go to shop.zupan's.com, it's very simple. You choose your store, whether it's uh, West Burnside, Lake Oswego, or McAdam. You create an account, which I think everyone's done in many different ways before with other things. And you build your basket. And you can also provide special requests by adding a note to any item. So uh, you might want something to be a little smaller than larger. So you do that there. And then lastly, you just drive down to your favorite Zupans and pull into a designated curbside pickup spot, call the number on the sign and let Zupans know you've arrived and out come your groceries. You don't even have to get out of your car. I love this. So whether you're you're pressed for for time, or maybe you have some some difficulty getting around, or in, in these times, if you should not be going into a store based on maybe some exposure and whatnot, let Zupans do everything for you. Well, not only that, it saves. If you know what you want, here's the way I look at it. If you know what you want then it's going to save a lot of time. You don't have to spend the half hour to 45 minutes in the store. You just go and pick it up. And I don't know if Zupans would love me saying this, but it pre- it prevents you from doing impulse shopping. So I'm, I'm always down for the impulse shopping, especially when it comes to Zupans. You've been... You've been sharing on Instagram some of the great finds you've been finding at, at uh, Zupans, including their, their specialty sections, which are, you know, oftentimes kind of related to what season we're going into. I mean, we've said this before. There's no better place to go if you're looking for a special gift for somebody, whether it's a birthday or just a housewarming gift. Zupans is the place to go. I agree. I love impulse shopping there, but there may be times where I just want to get what I want to get. How many yes. times have you been in the line and say, man, I just came in for eggs and there's, you know, two bags full of stuff. So oh, that's that's me every time I go to Zupans. I, I walked out with a, a, a pepper grinder last Sunday that I that I didn't technically need. But, man, I love it now. So, yeah, there's always a lot of good impulse shopping. But still, this is an alternative and you know we already mentioned the three stores so we've got mcadam we've got west burnside lake oswego we've always said zupans.com but now court where else shop.zupans.com All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio, kink.fm. Hi, Court. And hi, Kink. How are you doing? Doing well. We are definitely into fall. I think the last couple of times we've spoke, we've kind of been in that transition period. But like, it's been rainy. The leaves are turning. It feels fallish and uh i love it this is my favorite time of year yeah it's nice it's nice down here at the coast i have had two mornings the last two mornings one at short sand beach where kodak and i were the only ones on the whole beach think about how crowded that place can get in the summer but we were we went down about nine o'clock yesterday we were the only ones on that entire beach and i can't say that for neocani beach this morning in manzanita but it was close to having it to ourselves so this is the time of year i really like when there aren't tourists out here so yeah that's <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite times to to visit the oregon coast which chris by the way i'm gonna do soon i promise you i will come and visit you soon it's <laughs> gonna, gonna happen i'll call you on that like yeah. I, so let's pick two or three episodes down the road and i'm gonna ask if you've come out yet that puts the pressure on uh, I was going to say, anybody that's been paying attention at home <laughs> has probably realized that I think for, uh, well, like probably two months now, we've been talking about me getting out there, but yeah, it's going to happen. Part of it is so we can get that really cool mic set up so that we'll see yeah. how that sounds. I don't I don't think this is quite terrible, but but it'll look cooler too. With a, you said you have a little right at the fork mic, so that'll be good. For, I do. Yeah. At least for guests. So anyway, sure. all right, listen, I wanted to take a moment to uh, talk about a dear friend of mine. I'm gonna get to a second dear friend in a minute, but this dear friend is uh, someone who goes back in my life a long way. And um, I don't know, well, who knows? A lot of people have this, um, are are close to this and have been hurt by this, but 
my friends Scott and Lisa Johnson in Connecticut, their son Connor took his own life um, a couple of years ago. Actually, it might have been a couple, three. Uh, no disrespect meant for not knowing the exact time, but it was November um, a few years ago, and they have started an organization called Honor Connor, and the uh, purpose of the organization is to provide support uh, for people who's, uh, who, who have family members or someone they love at risk, but also for support after the tragedy of suicide occurs for families as well. So I would urge anybody to uh, check into their site, Honor Connor, and Connor is spelled C-O-N-N-O-R, so honorconnor.org, and they have a walk and talk for hope 2021 going on right now um, and so you don't have to be in Connecticut to do this you can walk and talk with anybody you care about and uh, raise some money for their charity honorconnor.org and uh, I strongly urge it Scott is Scott was one of the most important people in my life and uh, our sons knew each other and um, it's a really tragic thing to have happen and, and I appreciate uh, what they're doing to help those who um, are going through similar struggles. Okay, that being said, another dear friend. It's bittersweet here to have an episode with Vitaly and Kimberly Paley from our archives from when it was couples month seven years ago. You pointed that out this morning, how old this uh, episode is. Uh, not yeah, this is uh, old, but seasoned. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is episode 25 that we're going to flash back to here momentarily. Right, we're almost up to 300 now, over our eight mm -hmm. years. So we're going to flash back, and some people listening may know why we're flashing back to this episode. And um, it was announced this week by Vitaly and Kimberly Paley. They sent out uh, two love letters to their followings um, that uh, they're going to be closing Paley's place. Uh, after Thanksgiving this year, which is really sad thing. However, I'm happy for them. If you look at it, if you look at the flip side, having been slightly experienced in my life and knowing that those devastating decisions or things that happen to us often turn out to be the best things in life. And I'm just going to hearken back to a couple of things, which I think will be. I think it's great that Kimberly and Vitaly will have time for themselves. Anybody knows that the restaurant industry is very difficult and, yeah. uh, and requires a lot. Well, of course, earlier this year, they closed Headwaters and Rosa Rosa and Imperial and um, put what was, uh, well, The Crown also. So four restaurants that were involved with hotels, and that was sad enough in and of itself, but they were happy they were focusing solely on Paley's Place. Well, now... Now they've decided they're going to shut that down. And I, I know it was doing well because I looked at reservations and they were booked out quite a bit a few months ago. So that I don't think is the issue. I think from what they said, and I exchanged a couple of little text messages with, um, with Vito over the last couple of days, um, that the pandemic caused them to reevaluate what's important to them in their lives. And so... In that evaluation, they probably realized they are getting a little older. I know I, I can't speak for Kimberly, but I'm going to guess around the same. But I know Vitaly's into his mid-50s now because I remember back, oh, it had to be five or more years ago, I ran into him at, he was doing an event in McMinnville, and it happened to be his 50th birthday, and I said, I said, Chef, what are you doing here on your 50th birthday? Because that's the way I think. And he just right. looked at me and said, this is what I do. And so at some point, that has to stop being what you do on your birthdays and, and all the time. They, he loves it with a passion, and that's why he's so good at it, and Kimberly as well. The second thing I'll say is we had planned a trip to France, a Portland Food Adventures trip, to Gascony with the lovely Kate Hill a few years ago. I went to the region and was escorted around and shown how beautiful it was. And we stayed at this incredible castle, um, Mazelieres. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. We had dinner at Kate That sounds Hill's. good. Yeah, it does sound good. You're the guy who knows French. 
We had dinner at Kate Hill's house uh, with my son. It was fantastic. We got back. We just put the trip up for sale. And I got a note from uh, Vitaly that uh, we're so sorry, but it looks like we can't do this trip. We're opening a new restaurant. That happened to be Headwaters at the time. Yeah. And so these are wonderful things that he could have been doing that he can now do with or without other people, but he can do right. some travel and I'm sure they have their set up so they can go where they want to go and do what they want to do. And they surely deserve it. When you think about how many wonderful momentary or longer term experiences the Paley's have bestowed upon other people through their hospitality, it's time for them to uh, enjoy some hospitality themselves. So that's a long diatribe, and I, not a diatribe. Take that out, Court, please. Yep, no problem. That, that is a long soliloquy, however, and I'm sure there's things I would have left out or I left out that I would notice after the fact, but that's kind of a recap of what's going on with the Paley's, and we're very sad Paley's place is closing. It's really sad in the larger picture also for portland what's been going on if you would have told anybody two years ago that oh in 2021 in november chris you're going to be talking on your podcast about the following uh restaurants not being around anymore paley's place toro bravo ataola pock pock the list goes on and those of course yeah. are are all correspond to some of our best chefs that we've ever had or will ever have in Portland, Vitaly Paley and his, and his wife and partner, Kimberly, um, not a chef, but she knows she trained a lot of people in Portland on how to, how to operate the front of the house, including Renee Gorham. Um, so John and Renee Gorham and also Andy Ricker and my dear friend, Jose Chesa and his, um, and his wife, Christina Baez, all gone. Um, from our Portland food scene, and it's kind of tragic. However, I'm sure there is some new blood, and it will carry on. So, Chris, so without further ado, we flash back seven years, as you already mentioned, to episode 25 with both Vitaly and Kimberly Paley. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. And by... Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022. To Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at portlandfoodadventures.com. This is a special um, edition, I believe, of Right at the Fork, our podcast uh, here in Portland, talking to people who are important in the important in the Portland food scene. Say that three times fast. I'm not going to attempt it. Uh, but uh, today, I believe we have, and maybe they'll be a little, they would be a little uncomfortable uh, by my saying this, but I think we have the king and queen of the Portland food scene, uh, the Paleys, Vitaly and Kimberly who opened Paley's Place in 1995 after uh, meeting and spending some time in New York together and, uh, and developing their love of food and wanting to do something that wasn't necessarily uh, the arts uh, that they grew up with. One, Vitaly, uh, a renowned piano player at the age of 18, and Kimberly, a dancer. Here's two creative people who met um, formed a life together and a business, Paley's Place, which then a couple of years ago turned into Imperial and Portland Penny Diner. Um, many of you have seen Vitaly Paley on, as the victor on Iron Chef over Jose Garces in Battle Radish a few years ago. 
Um, they're great people. They run a great restaurant. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, I really believe this. And of all the people I've met in my few years of having something to do with this beautiful place, um, I think Vitaly is just a stand-up guy and one of the people I would count on my fingers is one of the best, nicest gentlemen, most genuine people I've ever met. So, uh, And he's been really gracious to me. And he was gracious, and Kimberly was as well, to come on our podcast and sit down and talk about the restaurants, uh, running a restaurant, and even love. So take a listen. Hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Are you okay over there? How we doing? That's good. I don't know. How we doing? How you doing? Oh, I have a long night ahead of me. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, but awesome. I don't have my my night is not going to be as long. And the night's coming up. You've got. I haven't the started. Russian, you got the Russian pop-up coming up oh, yeah. soon, too. That'll be right? fun. Thursday. First Thursday. Week. And are you going to do those? Is that going to be a regular thing, we hope? I've got three three months at this point I'm committed to. So if we have a good showing and people like it, we'll sold out the first one. We'll keep rolling with it. That's a good thing. And yeah. how did you, where did the name Danette? Danette. Danette come from? Da is yes, net is no. Oh, da is yes, no, no, yes. I no wanted more. to come up with a na- with with the name that's easily recognizable <laughs> and easy to pronounce. I never. I have a. <laughs> I have a dear friend who's Russian who often says. Da, I never put. Da, da, I never yeah. put two and two together. Yeah. There's I, a. There's a. Anytime you speak, and you want to prove a point in Russian, you always say "danet," which is, means you're emphasizing something. It's it's kind of a negative. It's a double negative where you're emphasizing that you actually mean no, but you say "danet." Yes. And how many times a night does that get does that get put forth in the kitchen? Uh, well, in an American kitchen, it doesn't really get exactly. put forth. But. <laughs> but you're pretty calm. I mean, you've been doing this for a couple of years. You've been around the block, so yeah. Is does it is the Paley's kitchen fairly relaxed back there? Uh, you know, the kitchen is always a very stressful environment. So uh, well, that uh, I know, but yeah, a lot, a lot of to time, keep it kind of. It's when I've been in there, it's singing like a top, or it's spinning like a top. Yeah, perfectly I, though. Yeah, well, it has to. You know, there are, there are tense moments, and and we all we all have them. And my my relief to tense moments are really silly, stupid jokes. You know, and it's Kimberly's <laughs> job to make sure that. All peace is kept out in the front of the house. And in the kitchen, too, actually. And the kitchen, so... We don't even open our doors till the kitchen's clean. But we're French trained, so, like, before you open the doors, unlock the doors, floors swept, music's off, you know, sound in the kitchen's off, because during the day they prep to everything, you know, from crazy stuff, all the hits and tunes. Service starts, music off. We say, music, maestro. Get the music off. The staff knows to turn it off. Blah blah blah. You get everyone's head in the kind of like church mode in the kitchen. You have to because they've been prepping all day. They need like, and we always have staff meal, so that gets everyone kind of jacked up. Their espressos happening, iced coffees, you know, whatever they. What do the staff meals look like there? They rock. I would imagine you yeah. could do you could do events staff meals at Paley's. We we've we, been we've been <laughs> featured in several cookbooks out there. Because of our, it's 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 a it's a fairly common practice on the East Coast and in New York, um, and they call it family meals on the West Coast for some reason they call they call them crew chow or or some something else that's yeah. not incredibly pleasant sounding. <laughs> so we, we we still refer to them as the family meal. You, frankly, you spend more time with them than you spend with your family. For the well, most part. how much so, time do you spend with them compared to what you're prepping for for dinner service? That night. Well, I mean, how it, much? How much? Considering per, percentage of it, your, do you give that task to somebody? It's a rites of passage, right? For a guy, new guy, family <clears throat> meal, and they have to be good. And the staff is all, you know, we eat it. And normally, uh, normally, it's a, it's a, it's a prep position that is allowed one hour. So from three to four every day, uh, Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, it's actually two thirty to three thirty because we change, we change hours of operation. They spend one hour preparing a meal, and there's usually some odd pieces of this and odd pieces of that and some leftovers of this, but 
they're not supposed to serve anything that we serve at the restaurant. They're supposed to create something totally new, repurpose something. Taco so night. It's, so it's like a chopped, <laughs> it's a chopped episode filmed R- without there. filmed yeah, every night there. at Paley's. Does There's anything, a black box of things. Does anything ever come out of that that makes it onto a menu that's so good that you say, so hey, bad. we got we to gotta take this? It does. Uh, we, we, we have a nice little Wine Wednesday section where we feature a bunch of little fun things that usually come up somewhere. So Luis is... One of my sous chefs at Paley's, and he's very versatile when it comes to Mexican fare, and he does some pretty amazing stuff, you know. And of course, these these things will be like homemade sopes with something on the top of some sort of a carnita style with some uh, spit roasted pineapple salsa on top of that, and he'll do something crazy like that. And next thing you know, we're serving some Latin American wines for Wine Wednesday, and that'll make it make his appearance there. So. And crudos, a lot of like good fishes and stuff. If there's those pieces left, we can't serve it. They'll do crudos and hamachi things with you know coconut milk and tigre de leche and lime and lemon and stuff. leche de tigre. Sorry, I haven't eaten anything yet, yet today. This is this is killing me. But, you know, <laughs> it's I, twelve honestly, o'clock. Everybody was leaving for lunch. What are you guys still doing here? Yeah, well, <laughs> I can I can go without eating for a while. Believe me, I got, I got enough. But you know, it dawns on me as a marketing person. There's, it's so special. I, you know, everybody who's in your kitchen must appreciate the fact that they they're in your kitchen and they're ex- they're doing this other experience beyond serving dinner at the restaurant. That they have the camaraderie. It's like camp. I would imagine. <laughs> it's and, the, and it's not just the kitchen. The front of the house also, they can't wait. You know, especially they know, like, okay, Luis prepping today. Man, the mean's going to be good. You know, Luis is prepping today. We know something's going to be good coming out of it. You know, that doesn't mean that it's incredible every day. Some days it's just like, I just got to put it out because it's going to be really busy. So it's grilled chicken and rice and a salad and maybe a couple other smaller details, but that's about it. You know what I mean? But then some days it gets more elaborate, depending on how much time and effort we have, we, well, we put into it. So in the years, what, since 94, 95? Yeah. 95. 95 <laughs> since Paley's been open, there have been quite a few people. We know some of the chefs. We know Gabriel uh-huh. has enjoyed some of those meals and, and Jason and Ben. And, and cooked those meals, too. the front of the house... I just learned Renee Gorham. I didn't know that yeah. she spent time with you. Who are some of the people out there who've learned their? Or, oh, Courtney, uh, uh, Courtney Wilson. Well, she was married to actually John Gorham, but they're divorced. And uh, Courtney now runs. She was my manager there. David uh, Moore, who runs Andina. Yeah, a lot of front of the house um, actually have moved into more management positions as opposed to back into another server position. So it's nice for me to see growth in that regard. In terms of wine, Josh Wiesenfeld, uh, David Moore, Courtney, Renee. Yeah, a lot of front of house have kind of moved on into other elements or or gotten completely out of the industry because they're like, oh, my God. This is, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a crazy industry, but it just dawned on me as you're saying that, you know, people are going to school at your restaurant and you're paying them to go to school. Any other education that people get they're taking out student loans and they're paying an arm and a leg to the person who's educating them. Actually, the person who's educating them isn't getting it, but somebody's getting it. But they're going to school and you're paying them. It kind of almost should be the other way around, much like a Wyden and Kennedy. You know, they have 12 people a year who have to pay to go through their internship program. Does that ever dawn on you? Or, you know, these are your children. You don't have kids. Right. You decided that this is your life. And I think. It's obvious that both of you have put all your heart and soul into Paley's Place and now Imperial and Portland Penny Diner. Um, do you do you look at it that way, that these are your children? I do. I, I actually, I like the health and well-being of everybody, you know, and that means, you know, the industry is so hard and so demanding and the time spent is so excruciating at times with the length of work that they're doing what we expect of them. They have to kind of get who Vitali and I are in terms of our vibe and how we work. So we want to create a great environment, no hostile environment. We want happy people, happy, I should say, happy um, staff. Happy staff mean happy customers. So we really work hard on, you know, making and pleasing them, which is exhausting. What's the balance, though, to make some, to, first of all, you need discipline. There has to be discipline to do it right. And on the other hand, that doesn't always mesh with happiness for people. So how do you... Rules and smart smart people. A lot of things you can't teach. You can't teach, 
you know, you can teach people the food and service and, and what to do and when to clear. And when the salt and pepper comes off the table, what does that mean? Is the dessert menus going down? How are the tables being crumbed? Fluffing the napkins when people get up to go to the restroom or do whatever. Replacing things, cutlery, all that. But the passion behind it, the care of learning about food, the constant everyday lineup at staff uh, before we get the doors open for uh, customers, you know, that lineup with everybody talking about the special of the day, food, wine list, the quizzing of things, keeping them constantly fed with information because they're smart people. They're very smart people. And in today's world, I think it's not just service anymore. It's really about educating and they want to be educated. They love learning about more wine, different foods, different ways of cooking. Um, it's great. And I that keeps us kind of on edge and keeps us on our toes as well. The charcuterie that we do, the program we do, how it works, what it is, what it's made from, the soups, what the stocks are. I mean, all that is education. You can't just memorize one thing and then walk out there and execute and talk about it. So nothing's rote. Every server kind of has to have their own vibe. And I don't have the it manual. It has to be an inherent, it has to be inside them. Yeah. Right? You can't teach someone who doesn't have any social skills. Yeah, and I know I that imagine. in first week when I bring people on and hire them for the front of the house. After one or two shifts, I know that whether they can work or not. There's just something about them that either they get who we are and how we do things or not. And I don't want to waste anyone's time. I want people to enjoy where they're working. And I would imagine both the front and the back of the house, I guess it stands to reason that people have to, it's it's a challenge for people who are living lives to leave their problems at home because it requires a lot of concentration and effort. And it's, you know, it's hard 365 days a year, however many people are working to yeah. be on their game all the time. How do you keep people on their game who, you know, it's tough. Everybody brings in a baggage. Everybody has a, everybody has a life, <clears throat> you know, and we understand that. And, and it's a, it's a, it's something for Kimberly and I to deal with on a daily basis. Any owner I think will tell you is that, uh, hardest thing you'll ever do is to manage people and managing people is, probably the hardest thing for Kimberly and I to do. And, um, but it's also a very rewarding thing because when you see them grow, when you see them understand, when you see them get to a place where like, okay, he gets it, the light goes on and then he just keeps rolling. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act on a daily basis. You know, people come in sometimes and they said, I'm sorry, my cat died today and I'm just not feeling up to it. You just have to smile, tell them to roll it off their shoulder because... The curtains opens up at five o'clock or five thirty, no matter what, and they got to perform. You know, at this point, it's you're also their employer. You're maybe their mentor and teacher, but you're also their employer. So they got to. It's it's again, it's a balancing act. I also think like leadership involves collaborating. Really great success for leadership involves collaborating. So we often <clears throat> we don't set things so rigid that things can't have some flux and change, and especially today's world with you know, media and tweeting and phones. One thing I don't Marketing like is... Marketing your business was completely yeah. different when you opened exactly. it. Now you have to be... You've become quite the quite the, <laughs> the Instagrammer or the, the Facebooker. I've seen you. I document my life. Not only do I life. see the results of it, because I get to watch it, by the way. And it's a slippery slope, because you it provide is. too many visual delights, and people don't necessarily need to come in and see them. But, um, but on the other hand, I've seen you at events. Yeah. You're calm and relaxed and they tell me the i have to thing? do it so i do. <laughs> do you enjoy doing that i do every now and then i was just like really i don't really want to be doing this but i guess i have to but then every now and then the things are so special and so fun that i have to not not just record it for everybody to see but record it for myself you know that's what i get from you when yeah. i see your facebook posts yeah is that you genuinely are excited about what you're posting yeah. garrett the same thing garrett yeah. And he's all Garrett, over it. Yeah, yeah, he's all over it. Yeah. And you can, well, first of all, Garrett's an excited guy yeah. all the time. Yeah. But every time he posts, you know, he, he, you think, he sees a lot of dishes. That one he thought was, yeah. was pretty cool. So how is, and the front. I'm the opposite. I am the opposite. I don't want anybody to know anything about me. What I'm, I am so, it's funny because I'm so out front all the time. And when I have my downtime, Vitelli always jokes because I have zero interest in anybody knowing what I'm doing, what I'm eating, where I'm going, what I'm wearing, you know, anything. But you also, as I understand it, you haven't embraced the technology. No. Yet. No. You're zero. Still a phone person. I'd rather hand chop than use the Cuisinart. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I'm talking about I'm talking about communication technology. Yeah, so when it comes to reservations and so forth, there is I, I'm a book and a pencil. I have a book and a pencil at Paley's Still. We don't have open table. I have a sense of a. I I love hearing a voice of people. You know where they're at. Somebody walks in. They're larger. I can't sit them at a certain table. I have because we're so intimate and small at Paley's. I have to kind of feel them out. You can get a vibe for people when they're walking in where you want to see them. And they're on a date. Do they sit across? Do they sit next to? You constantly are feeling that out. And so does the staff. So you start kind of having an intuitive kind of dialogue with your um, guests without even talking. You know. I understand that because uh, my events, what I have come to love is seating people. And I have 50% of the people, generally I know who they are, and there are 50% I kind of have to go by names. So you're kind of deciding their age by their name and doing the best to mix and mingle. But that is very important, that personal side of it that you can't get by someone clicking and just sticking them at a table and doing it. But I wonder, you must ask yourself if you're missing opportunities I think mem- because it, people can't do it online because there are a lot of people if I can't click I, I'm not calling open table yeah exactly yeah. like an open table reservation um, we say it on our voicemail where we've we maybe we're a little bit more difficult to get into because of that um, maybe that'll change but you know our numbers are still there whether we have open table or not we're just not one of those people that loves you know that goes and has a line out the door you know, and waits, and I, I don't want to do that yeah, in this industry. It, it, in general, Portland is not a reservation type of city, and you know, in, increasingly so, and especially at Imperial. And I don't know. I was going to say I thought maybe Imperial might be because you have people from out of town, and they're used to making uh, a reservation. It's, it's, there's no rhyme or reason, but um, we'll start out with. Uh, X number reservation, and almost every time we'll increase it by double it, yeah, triple it sometimes. Yeah. So you just never know. People in Portland almost expect to dine anywhere at any time they want to, you know. And then increasingly, so there are restaurants that people actually will wait in line for a couple hours to get into, which eludes me quite often. But whatever, whatever, whatever floats you. I don't have time to wait for food. I yeah, well, I think most people <laughs> feel like that. <laughs> Maybe for dinner, where you can have a cocktail and wait. But the brunch thing for two hours. Yeah. Uh, no way. There's no way I would waste my time in a line waiting for eggs. When, when there are so many other opportunities. <laughs> yeah. If there were only three restaurants, yeah. then you'd go, oh, yeah. gotta wait. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, the brunch is, is kind of a crazy thing. I was going to ask you, is there a different, um, between Imperial and Paley's, is there a different type? If you, if you talk to a prospective employee, someone in front of the house, is there a different direction that they would the different type of person that's good for imperial that may not be good for paley's or are they are they are they in interchangeable parts could could patrick go to imperial and run that that's a that's a valid question and i think the answer lies in the how many meal periods we serve at imperial at imperial it's a multifaceted operation we do breakfast lunch dinner happy hour late night two, three banquet rooms, and then Portland Penny Diner thrown into the equation. So it takes a very special type of a person to be able to understand, comprehend, and then jump in. And, and of course, as management, we are all required to do that. But when you hire people, you do hire them for certain portions of the equation. Specialists. Specialists, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you almost have to. There, there's really no way, no way around it. You know, there are people that like to work at night. There are people that like to work during the day. And there's really, usually, there's no crossover. It's, 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 it's funny in our world. It's, you're either a morning person or you're not. And that's it. So you've had Paley's for 20 years now. Yeah. And now Imperial. I'm still not a morning person. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> um, but you've had Imperial for a couple. Uh-huh. Are you? Are there days where you say, "What did we get into here with this?" Because it's not. It's not Paley's, which is dinner service. Look, Kimberly just looks over. And it's, um, are there days where you wonder, "Geez, I, this is this is a lot." And yeah. you knew that going in. You, yeah. you certainly weren't blinded to it. I, I I feel today more certain than ever that I've done the right thing. Um, I also feel like I'm not a captain looking for a smooth air anymore. I feel like we've steadied the, the 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 ship, and it's kind of rolling along quite nicely, building up momentum as we go. It feels a lot more natural. I feel I can trust the managerial team to do everything that they need to do during all the meal periods, because that's the important part. When you're open for so many hours out of the day, 
it's physically impossible for me to be there from 6 a.m., which is when we open, till midnight, which is when we closed a lot of times. And so, and you a, can't be at two places at once. And I can't be at two places we all divide at once. And conquer. <laughs> so, so you bring people up from within. You give them the right tools to succeed, and then you delegate, and then you watch it from the sidelines. And you're just like that little captain with a joystick, right? You just kind of walk in there and a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, and then you know let it run. Yeah, but sometimes you're really moving it around a lot because it, 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 you know the, it, everything goes in cycles, and we're moving through a cycle of this point at this at, at this time at Imperial. We're Losing one of our key players, Ben Bettinger is going away. He's going to do something else. And uh, we're going to look very hard and long as to what to do and how to continue. But as far as I'm concerned, business as usual. You know, it, the, the players are all interchangeable. Kimberly and I are the only, Kimberly and I and Marcel are a partner, obviously. And at this point, Garrett Peck uh, are probably the only people that are constant. Everybody else will move in and move out. It's a fluctuating thing and it has to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's designed to be that way. Our business is just that. It's did you expect Ben to be moving out as moving on as soon as he did? I, I knew eventually Ben would go. Um, I didn't think it would happen so soon, but uh, you know, you never are ready. It's like, you know, when you have kids, are you ever ready for kids? You know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> still not ready. I'm I don't have any, but I, so I hear, I hear these things. Yeah, no. Uh, but, uh, but it's a good thing that you're at the point where you said your ship was steady, yeah. that he's leaving yeah, better than okay. a year ago. And Ben was instrumental in helping us yeah, get he, that he, ship to a place where we feel comfortable running it. Yeah. I, I, I have no regrets whatsoever. I wish him great success and great luck. Ben was instrumental in getting every system in place since day one. And he learned a great lesson and so did we in, in putting this thing together. He's going to walk away a a very rounded chef and an individual running a business. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can come up with, but at the same time, also excited at the opportunities of new, constant, new. We have to, you have to reinvent yourself. This is what we're all about. You've done this before. You, had a, you had a yeah. guy named Rucker in your kitchen once, <laughs> and you had Jason in your kitchen. Yeah. So this isn't, this isn't your uh, Yeah, with those guys, I was a dance. bit of a sort of loser when they left, you know, because they left at once. At the same time, literally, like both guys gave me one after the other and notice. It was kind of... It was, a, it was a very special moment in the history of <laughs> So I was like, okay, shoot, what do I do now? You know, well, but that makes you, you stronger, right? Yeah, you and re- so now, you now no you've swung the, the bat with the donut on it. When yeah. Ben leaves, it's yeah. okay, well, we'll yeah. I'm not going to say it's you know nothing, but yeah. a little easier to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're used to it. I mean, we know people aren't there to stay. We just, well, we know that. We, we love it when they're there, even for front of the house. I have many servers that have been there six, seven, eight years. You don't see that very often. Um, but the loyalty is what's important. And even when people go off to do their own thing, there's still this like history of loyalty there. So there's a great community here, I think, in Portland of I see Vitaly with other chefs and other cooks. There's this great care and, you know, even with purveyors and sharing products and talking about who would you get this from. And, you know, there's that collaboration that happens. And I think that's great. Um, but I think the loyalty is kind of uh, always there, even though when they jump ship and move on, we're pretty happy for them. We, we know they're not going to stick around. So I think Vitaly's more like just rubs it off his shoulder and says, okay, next. All right. Who else? All right. Somebody else is doing good. Let's move them around in a different position. And he he's very um, amiable to departure, not freaked out how some people get angry and freaked out. Not at I all. I think he can be. And no. everybody yeah. in return, I have never heard anybody speak anything but a, a positive respectful word for both of you out there, you know, because there have been a lot of people who work for you and and a lot of people know you. I've heard, not, you know, everybody just... I had an it. email once that said, Kimberly, remember the witch? Uh, I had an email once that said that I was a witch and I should get on my broom and fly far, far away. This was like in 95, 96 when we opened. I think this is the first, this is when, when, when the, when the city search first came out with a little comment section, this is way, way in the beginning. Oh, good. And I'm like, yeah. and I was kind of happy. I'm like, yes, you know, good. I'm serious. I'm, I, I didn't take offense to it at all. You know, there's a, there's this, you know, professionalism that we want to bring to the table. And I think in 95, when we moved here, you know, starting a business was very different than it is today. Opening a business in Portland. Hugely different. Hey, Chris, let's pause just a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah, where they've always had your safety in mind. Uh, Of course, they have those beautiful updated booths and spent a lot of money on their ventilation system to update it to current standards and beyond. 
Um, so whether it's their delightful outdoor dining or inside, you can always enjoy ringside hospitality knowing they're steps ahead when it comes to safely serving you a fantastic experience. And of course, ringside always satisfies Chris. So if you've got something like, I don't know, A5 Wagyu, maybe that's your thing. You can come and enjoy it at Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah, so no matter what the size group, whether you're just going to go dine as a romantic evening with two, some friends and family with four, or if you'd like a setting for a small group gathering, Ringside, of course, can put that together for you too safely. Reservations are super easy to do. You just go to the Open Table app or ringsidesteakhouse.com, make that reservation, or you can actually walk in without a reservation for bar top seating. Yeah, Ringside for over 75 years. 75! Standing mm-hmm. tall as the hallmark of great service and steaks in Portland. Are you, do you have people or do you guys look at Yelp once in a while or some of the review sites just to, we got, we got opposite <laughs> things going. It's like a gyroscope over here. Vitaly, he's nodding yeah. yes and yeah. you're nodding I no. You're not. Don't even, and I don't even want him to tell me. Just, I, he, we actually joke oh, so about it. So he does the, the work and keeps it I don't it even want to know. I don't even want to know. I don't read it. I don't look at it. I just, we just, no, I have zero interest. Today, Everyone's but, a critic. But Everyone's you're, not, a critic but you're not there every night, right? So I'm there four nights a week. Four nights a week. So there are things that happen when you're not there that you might read about, you might find out. Um, I hear from, my manager is so awesome. He, we, it, It's funny, not to be there every night, I'm kind of there every <clears throat> night. Okay. Still, after well, all these years, I'm still hearing that's everything. confidence and delegation. Yeah, but you're. Re, do you take it personally, or and or do you just? I used to. Do ta- you see anything that helps you? I used to take it personally. Um, obviously, you do because you put in heart and soul into everything you do. Mm-hmm. And when you see someone dismiss your life's work by one not so stellar experience, and they decide to lash out against you, it definitely hurts. But. You know, you use that as, I, I like to call them the learning tools. You know, you, you you use that to your advantage. And if you see a succession of fairly similar reviews that point to very same uh, issue, you go back and you address it with the management team and you find out what it is that we think that could have gone wrong. Increasingly today, more people than ever refer to their online sources like Yelp or TripAdvisor, or there's a few other ones, but Yelp for the most part is is one of the, it's kind of a, one of those necessary evils. And for a while there, I was like, I wish it would just go away, but it's not. It's gonna. It's here to stay, and it's, it's, and it's getting and I, stronger. I believe it helps yeah. more and than it hurts. So, so what, I, what I'd like to do is I'd actually like us to start managing those reviews rather than letting them go away. And so mm-hmm. you should be able to respond fairly knowingly to a review that's negative as well as to a review that's positive. And so you should be able to reinforce and thank people for actually taking the time and going online well, and putting important. something. I don't hear people we haven't about done that, that yet, but it's but it's on the books, right? We amongst a million things on a priority list that is out there somewhere. But we have to we have to figure out how to go online and how to be and if there's something negative, you gotta be able to address that person. You gotta maybe take him offline and then talk to them somehow, get them to respond and return them and, and re- reverse their experience because ultimately nobody wants to screw up. Everybody wants to do well, but some days just doesn't, it's just well, not in your cards. But I think I, my feeling on Yelp yeah. is the people who use it religiously yeah. know the rule of throw yeah. out the best, throw yeah. out the worst, yeah. just look at the general yeah. feeling and go to the restaurant. Yeah. I mean, if some place has a glaring problem, yeah. I believe it's there for the restaurant to take advantage of and yeah. learn from. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, otherwise you'd be paying consultants to find this stuff out. The, and right. the, 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 one, the one thing that I'm still a little bit un, un, uneasy about is the fact that you don't really need to go to a place in order for you to review it. And yeah, so, that's a problem. So I, I don't know how many of those reviewers have actually, you know, they're just random people that don't wish you well. And, and how, how does that get uh, filtered out? I don't have that answer Well, yet. what I just said is is has nothing to do with their algorithms, their yeah. filter systems. <laughs> yeah. Those, I yeah. understand, have problems. But as a user yeah. who's gone to other cities, yeah. I've had nice experiences using Yelp as my guide. You know, when you get somewhere uh, in a city that doesn't have Eater, you know, yeah. that it's been helpful. So I think there are a lot of restaurant owners that get pissed off at Yelp and hate it. But on the other hand, if they wasn't there, you might have to spend money on advertising. It's it's a, you got to, 
Take the good with the bad. We just received a, a bump in our star rating on Yelp, and I saw a definite increase in business. I don't know whether I'm going to attribute that to that, but I actually saw an, an, a, a, a big increase. So the uh, bump that you got from the Iron Chef appearance, mm-hmm. which was now two or three years ago? Uh, 2011, so four or three years Time ago. Time flies. I know, right? Is that still there? Are there still people I who still to come this, in and say, hey, I saw you on Iron Chef? Yeah, or? still to this day, people walk into it. I'm a little bit more visible at, at Imperial. I'm there. It's an open kitchen. And right. I walk to the dining room quite often, and you see people constantly on an everyday basis. Oh, look, there he is. He's the one that beat the... It's kind of cool, actually. <laughs> so, well, it's three people, you know, there are new episodes, so hey, I'm just my, wondering how fresh my, that is. My job is to bring in the business, and if that brings in the business, if, if people still remember it, and if that's something that's at the top of my top of their mind, hey, I'll milk it forever for everything it's got. I do. Well, you should. You yeah. should be very proud of it. I it's am. an awesome accomplishment. It is, yeah. And, uh, God, this might be the first time I've seen you when you don't have a chef's coat on where you don't have the radish t-shirt i didn't you actually own another piece of clothing it's good to know he lives in that shirt is there only one no there's a couple yeah, that's a good couple. to know i do a lot that's of washing and cleaning <laughs> keep it fresh absolutely so, so um you know the restaurants are your babies obviously and i i wonder is it the restaurants that are your babies or the people it's both but uh, you have a life outside the restaurant and you try to. It's probably a little difficult because they demand a lot of your time. Downtime is important. It's so, like you have to kind of empty out to fill up again that old thing and that everyone needs to do. So do you have something in your sights that's exciting that will be some downtime in the near future, getting away, going We're traveling? actually going to leave after many years of not having left. We're going to leave in a couple weeks for a little six-day trip. But usually when we go away, it's work. Like if we hit New York, well, it's like I we're mean. doing You're, a dinner. We hit someplace else, we're, see, wherever, we're doing like an event. But we're going to actually escape um, and ho- I don't think work. We better not be Are you putting the cell phone like. away? <laughs> oh, Can please. you do that? Can you do <laughs> Thank it? You. I got. Yes. To, I just went to Spain a few months ago uh-huh. and the first day, uh-huh. uh, now I don't operate a business where people have to be in touch. With, first day I dropped that phone and smashed it and I was... I was freaked out because I had 10 days to go without a phone, but it was the best thing. Uh, it, see? Was, it was great. I still had a, some, I could still connect at night, but during the day, it was gone. I would so love we, to we tell have, you. We have a policy at our restaurants that unless there is flood or fire, they don't get in touch with us on our days off well, or our time off. And so hopefully there won't be any floods or fires when we're gone. And yeah, I plan I've to. I've gotten two of those this year for my events, floods and you, fires. Did you? The day of. Oh boy. Oh. So the, don't say that. That's <laughs> okay. bad. All right. That's, that's bad, bad omen. Okay. So right. where are you going? We're going to go to uh, California first. Our nephew is getting married. Uh, and then after that, we're flying out to Hawaii for uh, six days. Very nice. Yeah. Now, are you, got, are you able to go out to eat and just enjoy the meal or are you criticizing the service or it's hard not to notice it right You've we, got we go out and we notice everything right but when we go out and have our downtime obviously it's a place where you're not waiting at all you walk in you get seated i, I know how to turn it off both kimberly and i know <laughs> yeah. how to turn it off that's the only way we can enjoy our lives is that when we go out for pizza we don't sit down there and judge who's got the better slice or whatever you know, go out to for sushi, it's the comfort thing. It's just, you don't sit down and start judging every single thing that you put in your mouth. Yeah, there are times when we do especially that, when we go to Europe or go to New York and we're going on this R&D trip, right? And so, of course, you go in there and you take notes, you right. take mental notes. Well, you're doing, that's you're yeah. learning. Yeah, but when, yeah. But, yeah, but when you're turning you off, you're turning relax. off. Yeah, you're turning you off. Know, you guys have been putting a lot of years in, and I've said this to you before. You, you, I'd love to, it's not my place to say, but for your own well-being, I'd love to see you relax a little bit. We hear that all the time from our dear friends, not just our families, but for our friends. Yeah, that where, is true. Where if you go, can where afford we... to take six days off, uh-huh. can you not afford to take 20 days off? I uh, mean, could you not get away with it? If you can get away with six, what's happening in that period that might not happen in 20? That's We've fine. talked about that. We've talked about taking, you know, especially for if you get to Europe, you can't go there for six days. Right. I was yes, going to I was going to try to we were going to try to take a sabbatical this year it wasn't in the cards so eventually it will be I, I I would love to be able to go and spend a few couple of weeks just to tune myself out and then spend a little bit of creative time I, I'd love to be able to learn a little bit of new nordic cuisine if you will just to kind of understand what's going on on the other side of the world when you stew in your own little pot all the time 
it's hard to be creative. It's hard to reinvent yourself. You really need to go out there and outsource some of your ideas, you know, and so bring them back and filter them through the eye of the Northwest. And so if I'm going to continue doing what I do and I plan to for quite some time, I'd love to be able to go back and, and bring some new tricks to the game, you know? Well, so you're doing Russian pop-up <laughs> yeah. now in your own restaurant. Is that, is that, you know, it's uh, a, it's a, it's a thought that I've been toying around with for years and that's why the restaurant is called, that's why the pop-up is called Danette because it's always been da or net or da yes, no. or net. It should just be da, da you're doing da. it. Well, now I'm doing it. So it's called da. <laughs> right. uh, so, so da, da, yeah, da, exactly. Da. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, uh, way to experience old traditional ideas through the lens of what we do here in the Northwest. And I'm bringing back some of the old interesting ways of cooking or not cooking, if you will. I'm doing a little bit of fermenting, a little bit of salting, a little bit of curing, a little bit of everything up and above. The, there's a, there's a, a, a drink or a, or a soup that's called a kroshka. The base for it is kvass. Kvass is a, a fermented bread drink. You basically take mm. old stale bread and you ferment, yeah, I know, right? Sounds sounds <laughs> yeah. awful, right? But when something you from Russia. But yeah. when you taste it and you put it all together, it just hundreds of years of tradition all distilled into that one soup, and it's actually quite tasty on a hot summer day. Chilled soup with a little bit of sour cream and some dill. It's pretty fantastic. Well, I came to your dinner at Paley's that you had a few months ago with your friend, the author, and helped me out. Anya von Bresman. Yeah, yeah Anya, uh, and you were kind of. You, you, I think you were giving it a little short shrift because we just threw this together, just casual. And I thought it was just delicious. I, everything there was unusual and it wasn't, you know, what you think of as just thrown together peasant food, although that's kind of what you were referring to it as. I thought it was all fantastic and I would have come, I'd come back again. Unfortunately, Thursday night, I can't do it, but I'm going to do one of these. That, at least ty- one. that type of food is very, very deep, soulful. Um, it it has a history. lot of it has a lot of history. It has a lot of my history, family history, but it also has history about people that have had very little and did a lot with it. And and sometimes when you have three ingredients, you spend more time with them. You spend more time coaxing maximum flavor out of them, and that's what creates depth and that's what creates soul in the food. Sometimes today, chefs misunderstand the complexities and they throw in many ingredients on a plate. And when you walk away from a meal like that, three days later, I ask you what you had, you, you won't remember. remember. Yeah. But you will remember a dish that only had three that are prepared so incredibly well that the memory will linger mm-hmm. in your brain forever. And I still recall some of the meals I've had, just the most amazing meals I've had 20 years ago. Simple. Simple. That's the only thing that sticks in your mind. So sometimes, do you think- And you, you crave to, that. You, you crave it. Do people in Portland, do chefs in Portland try really hard to get don't get me started. Yeah. All right, well, let me get you started. No. Go, go. Oh, the dish. <laughs> what's some of your criticism, both of you, of what you're seeing in Portland? Don't, you don't need to get personal about it, but what have you... I like eating food that doesn't have ego involved. I think there's a bit and of... And you think there's a lot of ego involved um, in the food here? I don't want to be negative, but I think that it's more about food and not about the person making the food. It should be about the food rather than the person making the food. It should be about the customer. It should be about the ingredient. It shouldn't be about your ego. And I don't care who you are. This is who I am. I'm going to put this foot on a plate. And I think to some extent, there is this pop-up culture now that's basically all about the chef, all about the ingredients. Does that come from TV, you it, think? Probably, you know. And so for me, pop-up means something a little different. It means something that I can get to explore soulful, authentic, uh, meaningful, wholesome, those things that are not necessarily there on a daily basis for us because we have a theme, we have a formula, we have what works for us. And it wouldn't necessarily work on a daily basis. Here, people are there to sample some of my tradition, some of my world, some of what I've done. Yeah, so in, in a sense, it is about me, but it's also about a very different place. It, it comes from soul. It comes from within. It doesn't come from, I'm just going to put these random ingredients together and call them food. It's kind of like you have to read the book first and then throw it away and cook. So I many think- people don't read that book today, and that's the, that's the disconcerting thing for me. And you can, you can taste that, you know, you can taste 
in terms of stalks and sauces and kind of the base of something, the, the, as he's saying, the soul, I sometimes you can tell, you know, it's just that person hasn't, doesn't have that chop behind it, so to speak. So is it a matter of, um, because we have more people cooking in Portland, are you seeing more of that because there's just much more, there are many more chefs now? Or is it because we've kind of become a chef food scene where it's cool to be this person and cool to have worked for this person? Do you see? I see if there's an opportunity, people are going to go for it, regardless of their experience. And, you know, they have backing. They have, you know, the will to do it. They're just going to do it. They're just going to take the chance and go for so it. So do you think some have lived up to that challenge where they might have, you heard that there, someone was going to open a restaurant and you thought, okay, let them see how it's going to be and then maybe lived up to that challenge and, What's and curious hit, to me is hit it out of the park. Who's been around for 10 years, five years. So I think, yeah, it's great that they do that. I support that. I love people to move on and do things, but are they going to be around in five or 10 years? I'll, that'll... I mean, yeah. we're kind of young to. There aren't many. Well, there aren't many that have been around as long. Who's been around? Higgins, Gre- Greg's been around. Who else has been around as long as you have doing what you're doing? Mm. Unfortunately, Wildwood just closed. Right. Yeah. Um, and that I mean, so there's I, some I chefs mean, have moved around. Out of but, out of the the group of guys that I came up with in Portland, you know, Greg is. And Philippe below at this point at the Mac Club, mm-hmm. really the only like three guys left standing. So it's kind of interesting that I am um, still here and hopefully still relevant. Um, uh, how do you think? What do you think of I, that? I hate to ask you this question, yeah. but I'm sure you thought of it 20 years from now. Uh-huh. So another 20 years. I uh, hope, you think hope, you'll still be relevant? I think I get social security hopefully, by then. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, I'm on a beach somewhere drinking a drink with an umbrella in it. That's but, the way. That's but what there'll I, be a legacy <laughs> that you. Well, I don't. I don't know. You I, haven't I, thought about twenty I years. Have, I have about five or ten. You're probably. I mean, about. Th- think about. I I think about. Do people remember? I mean, I I think I think we're relevant now. We're we're part of the the culinary history of Portland, and it's really awesome. It's really great. What happens twenty years from now? I think there's going to be a whole new generation of chefs that. That the Portland is going to be, uh, you know, uh, ask ask the newer folks today about Zephyr. Nobody will know what you're talking about. No, I mean I've been here and 10 unfortunate years because Zephyr ushered in the modern dining in Portland. Zephyr was one of the pioneers here. Right, Zephyr, already- Bruce Carey, and Chris Israel. You know, Bruce and Chris are both frankly relevant still today in in their worlds. But Zephyr, nobody really remembers it, and it's tough. It's sad because we open about the same time. Do you think uh, when you hit that point? And you're off on the beach somewhere else. You <laughs> want to come back and say, "What the hell's going you on know, around here?" Y- you know, uh, Chris. When I when I people ask me like, "What you're still in it?" So, and I I always explain. I always say, "When the fire stops burning, I just walk away." You know, when the flame is when the flame goes out in my mind, I need to go away. Which but, you did with the piano too. No, the flame was never burnt out there. It we hasn't? just no. It was just I a, you, you know were just not doing no, it. No, just a change change of change of scenery, if you will. Okay, but you still you still play. Um, I, I I haven't in a while, seriously. Uh, though Kimberly just recently gave me a, a a score for Tchaikovsky's first and Rachmaninoff third for my birthday, so I plan to jump in and start learning that soon. I want I would love to hear you play. That'd be great. And, and maybe I, when I learn do it, you I still can, dance. I don't. I came here with a whole new like mindset of focus and restaurant and management and all that. No, I, I support it. I love it. But uh, I get massages and do a little yoga. <laughs> but so, I don't. so you get the results of dancing afterwards, <laughs> the, the, post, the post-dance pleasure. A little palace. bit. There's a lot of sweat, blood and tears in dance world. And I love that. I, I do miss that. I do miss that like physical just raw work and all that. But um, the re- you know front of house running that is physical, so it kind of has a similar uh, pattern to it. So, how many years you've been married now? We just had our twenty fifth in December. I was, I was trying to do the math and quickly. So, twenty fifth anniversary. Yeah. And do you mind if I ask? I, I just I'm just loved. What I'm going to ask both of you. So, someone's going to get the advantage of a little time to think about this because you both can't answer at the same time. But what did you? see in Vitaly when you first met, when you fell in love, that made you fall in love with him? I looked at him and I said, of all the people in my life, I want to grow old with him. I want to see what he's like at 60, 78. You know, I wanted to grow old with him. And you? 
It's part of our success of being married because we think alike. That was my answer that she just That's gave. That's my answer. <laughs> so how long from your first... And by the way, how did you meet? What were the how, what was the circumstance? Kind of quick. We met in... Well, we worked at World Yacht Cruises. Um, um, we're both out of... I'm out of a dance career. He's out of a music career. We met in New York City in the restaurant industry. And we got together, I want to say, in the summer, June, July. Started dating, seeing each other intimately, seriously. And um, he started living with me a few months later, and we got married in December of the same year. Wow. Like qu- like crazy quick, where our parents are like, honey, you, really? You, I mean, we that was it. I just knew. So is he a super romantic guy? Yeah. Because I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I have one friend who's Russian, and through her I've met some other Russians. They live from the heart. It's very different than Americans. It's a very different site. Their soul is very different. So I'll tell you. And it's, so that, you know, you look at, where every time I look at Vitaly, I feel like I know a little bit more about him than you see on the surface, just because he's, because of his upbringing. I'll share an intimate thing. One was, in America, everyone says, oh, I love your shirt. Oh, I love your hair. Oh, I love your shoes. In Russia, that word love, you only say it to a person. And Vitaly said that when he moved here to America. It's so weird that everyone in America, oh, I love that dinner. Oh, I love, But you'd never say the word love unless it's to a person. You can say, I like something, I, you know whatever but you don't say the love love is only meant for a person and i always respected that i liked that kind of um romance to that word do you remember how long it took for the first i love you <laughs> i love this because i you know some people just use it. i learned how long it took for me to say it i still called him my friend even though we were married for months and months he goes kim you can call me your husband but he had to say it <laughs> earlier i'm guessing he was the first i don't remember kim do you remember i don't remember I would I think that he could, I, I think he might have said, oh, I love, you know, whatever. And I'm like, really? You love me? Really? Yeah, like, it was kind of like unfathomable for me to uh, have that, you know, one-on-one intimacy, be married, monogamy. I mean, I'm, we're like traditionalists. I mean, when we got married, that was it. You, you are, it shocks me to hear people with relationships and they're done in a year or two months or two years. I'm like, oh my God, it took me a few years to like kind of get to know him more. And then there's a whole other well, level of growth. Well, that's the problem. Sometimes people <laughs> get to know them too so fast enough to know that they're, they're out of it. That's uh, so, and you just both decided um, somewhere along, not too far after you got married, we're going we're gonna to be in business together. Well, we got married in 88. Um, back in New York and, you know, in the industry, industry worked, moved to France, lived and worked in France. And after France, when we moved back to, into New York City, into our apartment, we had subleased. He was like, you know, Kim, I don't want to cook another summer here in New York. I don't want to sweat in another kitchen. Let's think about, you know, opening up a restaurant. So we kind of thought somewhere we weren't sure where we weren't sure where to go, what city, what state. Um I was ready to give up my citizenship and move to France, and he wasn't at all. He had no interest in, in doing that. And so we explored the U.S., a few states, and where we'd want to go and visit. And Oregon came up in the conversation. The wine scene was interesting to us. It was just happening, 88. And so we came and visited. I'm sorry, 90. Actually, that was like 92, 93. We came out on a visit. I put Vitali loved Oregon. I was a little concerned about the Harry Armpit and Birkenstock, you know, theme. And, you know, out of Manhattan, West Village to Portland, Oregon. It was yeah. kind of crazy. Especially then, I think it didn't, you know, the New York Times didn't write about it then. Oh, no. It didn't have the... It didn't Frontier. Have the, there's now a New York-Portland connection, oh, yeah. at least, of some sort. It's so. awesome. Sold our apartment. It, so we thought it'd take about a year. It sold in two days. Do you remember, Vitaly, do you remember your moment of thinking, because I, I know mine, my I, lo- I love Oregon moment where you thought, I could do this, I want to do this. Do you remember it, where you were? No, it, it grew on us, really. It grew on me. It wasn't, there wasn't a moment where I said, this is it, I love it, I can't wait to, you know, it was more like, okay, well, let's go give it a try. And, but once we got here, it, it moved, things moved so fast that I hadn't had time to look back. And as, as the process grew, the engagement grew, and the organic process was just... It was just it just had to be. It's just something that just fell into place. I, I've always believed that, you know, you 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 go to the right place and you wait till the right time comes. You know, and that's we we found the right place for us. Like we came here to work. Yeah, we and, came here and, to work, and we knew we knew that this was 
a growing place where we could be, where we could say something, where we could mean something, where we could have, uh, uh, where we could have a, a a new word and and be a part of something growing. And that's was well, that was important. Well, that's the other thing. When you say you came here to work, you were working with what is wonderful about Oregon, which is the land and what comes from it mm-hmm. and the passion and what how people are because of it. And uh, so that that was a big part of it. So you may have been working, but you had it in yeah. you had you know Oregon Something, in your soul. Yeah, yeah. And so now you've you've left your mark um, here. I'm wondering if in uh, 20 years you'll come when I come to France because I think that's where you're going to end up. <laughs> oh, I really? can just see it right here. We we're uh, going to get your way eventually. Uh, we were talking about it the other day. I said, Kimberly, okay, when when the restaurant gets sold and when the house gets sold, we'll have enough money hopefully to buy a little home. And she goes, That's never going to happen. I said, You just wait. No, but, it's going to gotta happen. You got to put you, you got to put into your brain, right? You got to program it. No, there's going to be. <laughs> you have so much good karma. <laughs> Coming your way, I believe, for all the pleasure that you've given people and all that you've done for people, not only your customers, but your employees. I firmly believe, I believe in karma. You, you got it. You got some really, not that you haven't had a wonderful life, but you've got some great things in front of you. And all I can think of when we just had this conversation and you talked about he didn't want to go to France, <laughs> you did. I think, I think eventually that's, she's going to get her way. Oh. Hey. Isn't that always the way? I'll be right. Yes. I'll be right behind it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Thank and you. I hope Thank I, you, Chris. you guys are great. I, I would love to have you come back sometime. Thank, Thank you very much. Always, We'd love to always. come back. Thank you, Chris. Thanks. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at Right at the Fork.com. Mm-hmm.